All right. In all seriousness, though, um, that really did happen, and some people thought it was an April Fool's joke yesterday, and it happened. So, no, but um, I'm. But that just goes to show how, like, and I'm. I'm gonna give a talk about friendship, but within friendship, sometimes you need to learn to apologize. So, just let me extend. I'm sorry again. So, extend. But anyway, um. Just to, get, just to let you get to know me a little bit, I have a story about when I was in eighth grade, and it, I, was, I was homeschooled before eighth grade or whatever, and so like, I didn't really have that much of social skills prior to eighth grade, because I never really like, hung out with anybody or talked to anybody, because I was homeschooled. And so like, I get into eighth grade, and I decided that the cool thing to do would be to get to know all the cheerleaders, and you know, just to hang out with them all the time. And so as the year progressed, I started, you know, like I started talking to some of them and pretty soon we started talking a lot and, you know, we'd hang out all the time. Like we'd hang out like all day long, like after school, you know, I just start talking to them and we'd hang out and, and all. But the thing is, is that it was all online. Like they were all like on AIM. And I thought that if I could talk to these girls on AIM, that it would be fulfilling and that it would satisfy me. But it turns out that, like, looking back on it, like, they were the most stupid relationships, like, I had ever had. Like, like the one girl liked me, and I, I was like, ooh, she likes me, and, like, I should get to know her. So, so, you know, we ended up liking each other or whatever. But, like, they were all really shallow relationships, and, they, and I was doing them all for for my, uh, just because I thought that they would fulfill me, because I thought I could talk to these people that were cool, and that because they were cool, then then I'd be satisfied by that, and I mean, like, and one thing that I've learned over the, over the time is that, you know, shallow relationships oftentimes don't really last, and like, one thing I, like, I've learned just in my relationships with those people is like, yeah, we're still kind of friends, but like, we're not that good of friends anymore, like, it, these relationships weren't at the same depth that, that I really wish that they were. And, and so, like, I would suggest that we all experience our relationships on a sort of scale uh, or on a sort of spectrum of the most genuine relationships with people, like our best friends who we would do anything with and who we would um, who we'd really even die for if, if they were in a – or if they were in trouble or whatever. And – at the same time, we also have our really shallow relationships that we that we um, that you know we never talk about anything that deep, and you know we say hi to them in the hallways, but but we um, but we never go any deeper than you know, hey, how was your weekend? You know, I went to this party and it was fun, or whatever. And, and so those relationships fail to really fulfill us, and and most of our relationships aren't actually on the extremes or whatever. Most of them fall somewhere in between. But I would suggest that most of our relationships fall more towards the shallow end of the spectrum. And what I'd like to talk to you about today is how we can experience more of our relationships on more of the genuine side and more of the relationships that will truly fulfill us in, in life. And in order to do that... Um, I'd like to take you to a passage where we're talking about um, about King David, or he's not king yet, but David and his uh, friend Jonathan. And Jonathan was actually the son of the king before David, uh, Saul. And 
the interesting thing about the relationship is that David was actually anointed to become the next king, even though it was Jonathan's birthright as the firstborn of Saul to become the next king. And so it's rather interesting that they formed a relationship, even though like it was as if David was stealing Jonathan's birthright to become the next king. Um, There's really four things that I I, want to talk to you about. Well, there's... what, there's two things that have to do with the trust or whatever. I was talking to the guys in my cabin or whatever about like what they thought the most important thing in friendship really is. And almost all of them said in some way or shape or form that the most important thing in friendship is to establish trust. And the, there's really two parts of trust that, that, you know, that you can look at to, to see how much, like, you, you trust your friends or whatever. And that's really, like, the depth of your friendship and also, like, the strength or the commitment within your friendship. So, oh, um, I think we got First Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4 up there. And um, let me just read that with you. It says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. Or to his father's house. Um, <clears throat> and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. And the, um, the, real, the, in, the interesting thing that you can notice here about like the depth of their friendship uh, is that it says that that they were one in spirit or whatever and and this is this is the first recorded interaction between Jonathan and David, and so it was just one of those things where they they immediately clicked and they immediately became really good friends, but it wasn 't just like a mere like good friendship, it says that they were one in spirit, uh, or another translation says that their soul was knit to soul. And so, oh, like, I was thinking about, like, what does it mean to have, like, a soul being knit to soul? Like, they're so intertwined that, that like, their, their thought, like, what, what composes the soul is really, like, your mind and your will and your emotions. And so what they think and what they want and, they, and what they wanted and what they desired for each other, or, I mean, or, or just in life, and what they, they willed for or what they chose were compatible enough that that their souls became knit to soul. And, like, I never really thought about the fact that, like, our friendships, they, they're not merely on, like, a superficial level in which we, we experience them and they have no big effect on us, but rather they, they're almost spiritual. I mean, they said that they're one in spirit. This has a, a – they have a spiritual dimension to them. And so they, they have a very uh, deep – um, relationship and and I was thinking about um, you know in my own life I've got my I, two of my closest friends that I have live back in Nebraska where I was from and I go back there every summer and for a couple months usually and one of their names is Phil and one of their names is Drew and um, I barely ever see them but because we and because we I don't know like I to be honest I don't even remember when I first met Drew and like I guess I know Phil all my life because he's my cousin, but uh, like they they live like a long ways away, and I only see him like once a year. And, and to be honest, we never really communicate that much during the school year. But because when we're together, we can talk about anything, and our relationship is such that like 
you know, we can talk about uh, we can talk about God, we can talk about girls, we can talk about school, we can talk about pretty much anything that any of us are going through that even though we never see each other, we can just pick up right where we left off and we can just do everything together. And they're some of my best friends that I have. And that's the sort of like deep friendship that, that Jonathan and David had. And their, their interactions were actually pretty limited because they, they met each other after David killed Goliath. This is a, the event that happened right after that. And then there's the, like the whole episode of, of Saul becomes jealous of David and his success that he was having after, after David killed Goliath, uh, Saul promoted him to some positions in which he was commanding the army. And Saul became jealous of him and was like, you know, oh, he's having so much success out there. And the people were saying, you know, Saul killed thousands of men and David killed tens of thousands of men. And Saul's like, that's not the way it's supposed to be. He's like, I'm the king. I'm supposed to be famous. And, and so Saul began to make these attempts to kill him. And, and it... But, like, the depth of their friendship, uh, and so even though Jonathan loved his father, like, the depth of his friendship with, with uh, David just surpassed that. Uh, like, it wasn't that he, like, rebelled against his father, but he just loved David so much more that he was stuck up for him and all. But um, I was thinking about how, how can we establish uh, deep relationships, and really I was thinking that the key to really is establishing deep relationships is just to be transparent. I was thinking about, like, what Heather was saying and before about, like, during the, in the guy's time, what the most important quality in a guy is, and that's just being, like, authentic and being real. And, and like, that, that is so key in establishing, like, trust in a relationship. If, if you're being fake in a relationship, you're not going to be able to establish, like, the trust that, that you need. And, and I was also thinking about, like, just being transparent. Like, some of the deepest friendships that I have is because we're able to talk about anything. Like, I can share anything with, you know, like my, my friend Phil and Drew. And, and that allows us to establish the trust and establish a deep relationship. And, and really the second thing and that i like to show you is the, the strength of a, of a friendship or, or um, the commitment within a relationship. Um, if you notice with me up in the, in this passage, it says, and uh, there's not verses on there, but it's in verse three, and it says that Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And there there is a covenant in between them, in which it, this is not just like, hey, you're cool, I'm cool, let's be friends. This was a covenant in which they said, you know, I'm going to be there for you no matter what. And it doesn't matter what what's going to happen in our friendship, like I'm still going to be there. And um, you can see this really played out as Saul's trying to kill David, and he's, he becomes jealous of him, and he announces to his servants that whenever they see David, that they need to kill him. And, but then Jonathan begins to talk to him and begins to say, you know, you really shouldn't do that. And, and he's like, David never did anything wrong and all. But it really, the, the interesting thing about it is, is that by... By sticking up for David, this was, if if he let Saul kill David, that was his opportunity for him to regain his birthright and to regain his uh, right to become king. And for him to stick up for David and for him to not let his father kill him was to say, you know, I don't need to be king and I don't need to have that fame and the money and the fortunes, you know, that go along with that. Because my friendship with David is stronger than that. And he's like, I know that that is not what 
the Lord uh, wills. And so I was thinking about there was all of this pressure on the relationship. And really, when there's, when there's all of the pressure on our friendships, it, it, like, I was thinking, friendships are a lot like a toothpaste tube, okay? Like, like it, when you squeeze it, like, or you put pressure on it, like, it reveals what's on the inside. Like, you know, if, if you, like, if it wasn't for, like, the names on the outside, like, you, like, if you were going to squeeze it, you'd see, like, oh, this is the nasty Colgate stuff. Or, you know, you squeeze it, and you're like, oh, sweet, this is Crest. And, like, this is my favorite. Uh, but, like, in the same way, like, when you're, when you're beginning to put pressure on friendships, like, for example, when people, a lot of times, like, good friends might know each other for a long time, and then they end up, like, dating. And then afterward, like, afterwards they break up or whatever, and there's all this pressure on what their friendship had been. And you can really see oftentimes what, what the true qualities of, of their friendship was. And, like, the people who had, like, a really healthy friendship, even throughout their dating and all, oftentimes they remain friends afterwards. But oftentimes the ones who don't, don't uh, maintain that really healthy of a friendship, oftentimes that, that's shown when, you know, when they break up, when that pressure is put on the toothpaste tube, it reveals that you know, they were never that good of friends anyway, and pretty soon you know, they never talk to each other again. And I, in the same way, David, when uh, the pressure was put on David and Jonathan's friendship, and, and uh, Saul was trying to kill David, Jonathan's best friend, and he's like, that really shows, like, the true uh, qualities of their friendship because they were able to persevere through all of the trials that was happening, and they were able to continue to be friends, and it really shows what, you know, the true qualities of the friendship was. Um, the, the third thing that, that you need to understand about friendship is, is really the heart of the friendship, and that's the affection or the... Um, or the, um, or the, like, the love that's involved in it. Like, really, the definition of friendship is that there's, like, growing knowledge in between in, uh, the, the two people involved, and there is a growing feeling of affection or trust in between them. And as the knowledge grows, the affection and the trust grows. And, as, you know, and it keeps growing until they grow closer and closer together until they become really good friends. And... Um, Within this story, you can see that Jonathan, it says up there, you can see that it says that he loved him as he loved himself. And I was thinking about, and it repeats that twice. So it's not just like, you know, he says it and then goes by. But this was like, it's very apparent to them that he loved him as he loved himself. And the interesting thing about that is, is that later on, Jesus says that to love somebody as yourself is to fulfill the law. He said there was two commands that he says fulfill the law, and that's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so, and so I was thinking, like, in reality, Jonathan was fulfilling the, the law by loving uh, David as himself, and that was one of the reasons why their relationship was so oh, um, fulfilling for them and why it was so powerful. Um, I was also thinking, uh, um, in chapter 20, Verse uh, 4, it says that uh, Jonathan said to David that whatever you want me to do, I will do, do it for you. And I was saying, love is not 
um, love is not just mere emotions and words. It's not just saying I love you or it's not just like the feelings. If you truly love somebody, you will step out in action. And I was thinking about like uh, Jonathan and David, the, one of the reasons why their love and why their relationship was so successful wasn't just because they felt like they loved each other, but because they loved each other, they stepped out and they did things for each other. Jonathan went out of his way to try and protect uh, David, even though it, it might sacrifice his relationship with his father. And, and um, let's see. And, and so I was also, I was thinking about, um, like, I, at, like, okay, so if you love somebody, like, how do you take care of them or whatever? And I was thinking about, uh, like, well, how do, I love myself, and, like, I'm kind of prideful, and I love myself. And I was thinking, like, so how do I take care of myself? And I was like, well, you know, like, in the morning, you know, I wake up, and I look in the mirror, and I'm like, oh, crap, my hair's sticking up everywhere. And so then I, like, got to wet it down. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, crap, I got a pimple, and so I got to pop that. And then I got to brush my teeth. And, and all, and you know, like I, like I have to meet my own needs or whatever. And maybe if I smell bad, you know, I got to take a shower or whatever. And, and so I do all these things to, to, to my, to meet my needs or whatever. But in the same way, like if you're trying to take care of your friends, um, you, you've got to uh, see what their needs are, and then you take steps to meet them. Like it, like I was thinking, um, some of the basic needs of people, oh, really are like. Like some people, if they have a bad, if they have like a bad day, like one of the needs of that that they have is just to talk to somebody about it. You know, like are you willing to, you know, take some time out of out of your way, you know, to talk to them or to spend time with them? And it's just little things like that, just just to meet their needs. That's going to be able to really establish the the love and the affection. That's really the heart of a relationship. Um, and and the last thing. And uh, really the key to understanding f- uh, friendship and the key to understanding um, how to experience fulfilling relationships and friendships is really to, is to have the greatest friendship of all and to have your friendship centered around, centered around that. And, um, and that's really our relationship with God and with Jesus. And uh, I would propose that the reason why Jonathan and David's uh, friendship was such a success and why their relationship was so deep and why their relationship was so strong and why there was so much love involved is, was, was because the relationship was centered around uh, it was centered around God and and when you have your relationship centered around God your focus is more on God rather than yourself and and on the other person that way you're no longer simply trying to meet your own needs but you're focused on them more and on God, and God can and work out his, his own master plan, I guess, for, for your friendship or whatever. And um, in chapter 20, verse 42, I think I have it up here. It's the next slide. It says, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is the witness between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to town. Um, you can see that it says that, uh, you know, the Lord is the witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Like, the Lord was the center of their relationship. And their relationship was centered around it. The reason why Jonathan and wanted, the reason why Jonathan was so willing to, 
to uh, stick up for David and to give up his birthright and all it was because he knew that was what the Lord's will was. That was the will for his friendship with him. And so when you have your friendship centered around God, God is able to give you wisdom as to what you, you know, what you should do within it. And, and he, he'll guide you in that. Um, I was thinking like my parents and my dad was telling me how, like when he was dating my mom and all that, he was reading this book about like friendship and, and marriage and all. And, uh, and basically the, the idea behind it was that where there's just one person plus one person in a friendship or in a, or in a relationship, it's going to really equal just two people seeking their own uh, needs and and trying to fulfill their own needs and all. And, and oftentimes those relationships don't don't really fulfill you in the way that they can. And sometimes they fall apart or whatever. And and but when but when there's uh, three people, where there's just one plus one plus one, it equals one. And I was thinking about like this sort of reflects the Holy or God. Because God is really made up of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're three separate people, but when they come together, they, they equal one. And in the same way, when, in our friendships, when we have ourselves, the other person, and God, and, our, and we're centered around God, it really equals just one person. We're unified, and we're able to, to achieve true unity and achieve a truly healthy relationship because we're centered around God. Um, let's see. So I was thinking, like, uh, in order to really have our friendship uh, centered around God, we have to have a friendship of our own with God. And um, in order to understand, like, a friendship with God, we have to understand that, like, we were once enemies with God. And there's a verse in Romans chapter 5, and it bas- chapter or 5, verse 10, and it says that for if we, when we were er, God's enemies— we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And we were once enemies to God, but because of what Christ did for us, we are now able to not only just be saved and be reconciled from the death of our sin and all, but we're also able to have a friendship with him. And um, in John chapter 15, verse 14, the next uh, slide, uh, it ta- Jesus is talking about this friendship that he's offering us. And he says um, that you are my friends if you do what I command. And I no longer call you my servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you will bear fruit and that it will last. Um, I read a little bit farther than that. But uh, um, God... Had, because of, of Christ's death on the cross, we're able to have a friendship with him now. Jesus is saying to us that he, that he wants to be our friend. He says that he's already chosen us and that he's already appointed us. Like, he's already chosen us to be friends. He's initiated in, in the friendship. And the only thing that's left for us to do is to simply just take him up on that friendship. And as we grow in our friendship with God and in our, in our relationship with God, and we make him the center of our friendships, then that is where our friendships will become the most fulfilling, just as Jonathan and David's friendship was so fulfilling for them, and why that is the, it, that's really the exemplary uh, friendship of the Bible, aside from maybe Christ and his disciples. And it's because their friendship was centered around God and his, and his plan for them.
Um, to close, though, I have a, I have a story that I want to uh, read to you. I don't know. Some of you may have heard it before, but uh, I think it really illustrates the power of, uh, of friendship. Um, I'll just summarize the first part because it's not really that necessary, and then I'll read the last part. Um, basically, eh, there's this guy. Um, or shoot, I'll just read the whole thing. <laughs> okay, so it says, One day when I was a freshman in high school, I saw a kid from my class walking home from school. His name was Kyle. It looked like he was carrying all his books, and I thought to myself, why the heck would anybody carry all his books on, on a Friday? He really must be a nerd. I had quite a weekend plan, and, and I had some parties to go to, a football game with my friends planned for the next afternoon. And so I shrugged my shoulders and went on. As I was walking, I saw a bunch of kids running towards him, and they ran at him, knocked his books all to the ground, and they laughed at him and pushed him down too. Um, his glasses went flying, and I saw him land in the, gra- in the grass about 10 feet from him. And he looked up, and I saw little tears of sadness in his eyes. My heart went out to him, and so I ran over to him, and as he crawled around looking for his glasses, I saw a tear in his eye. And as I handed him his glasses, I said, those guys are jerks. They really don't have any lives. And he said, he looked at me and said, hey, thanks, he said. There was a big smile on his face, and it was one of those smiles that showed real gratitude. I helped him pick up his books and, show, and asked him where he lived. As it turned out, he lived near me, so I asked him why I had never seen him before. And he said that he had gone to private school before now, and I would have never hung out with a kid from private school before. And we walked all the way home, and I carried his books. And he turned out to be pretty cool. And I asked him if he wanted to come play football with me and my friends on Saturday. And he said yes. We hung out all weekend, and I got to know Kyle. Uh, and the more and more I got to know him, the more I liked him. My friends thought the same of him. And Monday morning came, and there was Kyle with a huge stack of books again. And I stopped him and said, dang, boy. You're really going to build some serious muscles with that piles of book or carrying that piles of book every day. And he just laughed and handed me all, half the books. Over the next four years, Kyle and I became best friends. When we were seniors and began to think about college, Kyle decided to go to Georgetown and I was going to go to Duke. I knew that we'd always be friends and that the miles would never be a problem. He was going to be a doctor and I was going for business on a football scholarship. Kyle was the valedictorian of our class and I teased him all the time about being a nerd and he had to prepare a speech for graduation. I was so glad that it wasn't me getting up there to speak. On graduation day, I saw Kyle and he looked great. He was just one of those guys that really found himself during high school. He actually filled out and looked good in glasses and he ended up having more dates than me and all the girls loved him. Boy, sometimes I was really jealous. Today was one of those days. I could see that he was really nervous about his speech. So I smacked him on the back and said, hey, big guy, you'll be great. And he said, he looked at me with one of those looks, the really grateful one, and smiled and said, thanks. He started his speech and cleared his throat and began. Graduation is a time to think or to thank those who helped you make it through those tough years. Your parents, your teachers, and your siblings, and maybe a coach, but mostly your friends. I'm here to tell you about or tell you that being a friend to someone is the best gift that you can give them. I'm going to tell you a story. And I just looked at my friend with disbelief as he told the story of the day we first met. He had planned to kill himself over the weekend, and he talked about how he had cleaned his locker out so his mom wouldn't have to do it later and was carrying all his stuff home. He looked hard at me and gave me a little smile and said, Thankfully I was saved. My friend saved me from doing the unspeakable. I heard the gasp go through the crowd as this handsome, popular boy told us about his weakest moment, and I saw his mom and dad looking at me with that same grateful smile. Not until that moment did I realize its depth. Um, 
if a friendship, uh, if just a friendship between two ordinary people like that can have such an impact on somebody's life, how much more can a friendship centered around God have an impact on our lives? So let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us learn to uh, be good friends and that that we, we could establish really deep friendships with those around us and that we can have strong friendships and that we can really love our friends like we should. Um, I pray that you would help us to uh, really just center our relationships around you and that because of that, you would give us fulfilling relationships and that you would work your hand out and that you'd be glorified through our friendships. In Jesus' name, amen.